All right, hello everybody, and welcome back to episode ten of Retro Game Explorers. I am Pete Dorr, and I'm joined by Mr. Bovine Divine. Hello, Bovine. Hello, hello, Pete. Hello, everyone out there. And we're also joined by Foots Vogel. Hello, team. Glad to be back. And last but not least, Mr. What About Brunch. Welcome back, Brunch. Thank you very much, Pete. Glad to be here. So it's been a quarter of a year since our last episode. <laughs> we're getting better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much we're, we're almost on to, uh, you know, what is it? One episode every every, every quarter of the year. year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hopefully we plan to pick that up for you guys uh, in the near future. But today we're going to be doing sort of a recap of, you know, where what have we been playing in the time we've been gone, sort of a look back at 2018 and, you know, in the in the recent weeks. But we're not just going to be looking back at, like, the boring games that nobody cares about. We're going to be kind of honing in on the bad games that we've played since our last recording and sort of focusing on what makes them special, what what kind of positives did we find in those games, or were they just straight-up bad games? and you know shouldn't be played by anybody so i mean that is the caveat right like i feel in most of our streams you know we we don't try to say oh here we're going to be playing one of the worst games ever or the worst reviewed games ever we always we always want to take that slant at least in my stream i always try to say that you know we'll take a look at a at supposedly what's supposed to be a bad game and hopefully find the things that give it some merit or you know some positives out of it things that we try to look forward to because we're not here to outright slam some bad games or anything like that we're not trying to use it for like clickbait fodder but in reality you know what we i think what most of us try to do in some of our, in all of our streams is you know we try to give bad games a chance and hopefully find something redeeming about them so hopefully we'll find some you know uh well, i was about to say gems again hopefully we'll find some <laughs> special games out there that just kind of slip through the cracks of our fingers a lot of the best games i've played recently have been games that have been poorly regarded in reviews and and whatnot and some of my favorite speedruns you know it stems back to to bubsy 3d and you know playing games now like sonic r which has never been regarded as a, a an amazing game by a lot of people but it's by far my favorite speedrun one of my favorite games of all time now uh even games like star wars super bomb bed racing bedrock bowling um you know there's there's just tons of bad games out there not to get off on the speedrun tangent again but not even not even talking about speedrunning just there's been a lot of great games that I, I've played recently that have really poor reviews. Like, I guess the best example that we can start off on, uh, for me and Bovine at least, is Bomberman Act Zero that we played oh last week. Oh my god. <laughs> well, actually, quick question first, Pete. So when you, <clears throat> like in your process, when you try to decide on maybe like a bad game to play, like what what's the criteria you use? Do you just like search back on Metacritic and look for poorly reviewed games? Or are you just pulling games that you remembered were poorly received? Like what's your process on looking for those bad games, essentially? No, I don't, I don't look at review scores. But, like I don't sort by review scores and go that way. I just kind of, I don't know, just randomly something will remind me of a game. Like for example, for Bomberman Act Zero, um, I think it was because of AGDQ Bomberman 64 was being speed ran. So I'm like, oh, I forgot about Bomberman X Zero. And I picked up a copy while I was at AGDQ in the hotel on eBay. Uh, had it in time for when I was back. And I'm like, you know, because the game is super cheap now. You can get that game in a store for under $5 on eBay. You're talking like well, still under 10 Physical copy is pretty cheap. <laughs> Yeah, unless you're bovine and you impulse buy the digital copy for $20. <laughs> the pure pressure in stream is real, folks, let me tell you. 
But I'm like, well, it's cheap enough, you know, six, seven dollars to, to stream a game and kind of just see how it is with other people. A game that is like pretty much almost never streamed on Twitch. Such, do, you, do you have any like background and history on that? Because honestly, when until you, I saw you go live with that stream for that game, I never even knew they tried to uh, like bring a mod- Bomberman up to like a modern look and feel. It's such a strange Bomberman game, at least in terms of like storyline and its place in history and the timeline of the games. Like, what's the deal with that version of the game? I, I don't know much about it. So, well, I mean, to answer your question about was I familiar with it um, during the the PS3 360 era, I was pretty much familiar with every single game that came out. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of deciding which ones were worth the full price. And that game, based on the reviews at the time, there was no way that I was going to take a gamble for 50 bucks that game retailed for. So I kind of just put it off and forgot about it all these years. And yeah, it was getting, it was just getting slammed because obviously uh, visually it is not Bomberman. It's laughably Bomberman, but at its core, it's uh, it's a really fast paced, unique take on the series that I think gets undeserved hate until you realize how the game is meant to be played. Which I think Bovine quickly realized when he was getting blasted with <laughs> infinite bombs. I mean, the insanity in that one, it just, the problem is, is that in most Bomberman games, and I think you alluded to this in stream, but, you know, in most Bomberman games, typical Bomberman games, you take a while to build up your power ups. Like, it takes a while to uncover power ups to give you multiple bombs and then bomb power ups. Like, it's a very slow progression in terms of going from where you start out with, with your one range, you know, bomb blast and single bomb placement. And usually you got to get pretty far into a match, multiplayer or single player, otherwise to be able to have enough power ups to, you know, cause any real damage or, or, or like panic in your opponents. But oh my God, that game, you're, you pick up like three power ups right off the bat. If you get lucky, if you get a good drop from what, are, you know, the areas around you, you can cause unbelievable amounts of da- like damage and, and blast to the point you've never seen in other Bomberman games. I just couldn't believe it. it and the, the fact that you get it that quickly in some cases was, it was so jarring. <laughs> I could not believe it. Well, I think the one thing that we should mention is this game uses a life bar system. So we were actually doing online multiplayer. We had up to five players at one point, but the game uses a life bar in first person bomber mode, which is not first person, by the way, it's just sort of like a zoomed in camera. Um, <laughs> But you have a life bar, so when you take damage from a bomb, it's not a one-hit kill, unlike other Bomberman games. And people were blasting this game. They're like, oh, you changed the formula of Bomberman. This camera's horrible. But I started looking at it, and I'm like, this is actually amazing because it's a different approach to playing Bomberman. You're checking your corners. You're constantly moving your camera. A bomb can take you off guard. So if you see a player like running and they are not looking towards you, you can like take them off guard with a bomb from behind. You can play more aggressively where you can decide to trade your health for like running through a bomb to try and almost like suicide bomb your way into an opponent and try and kill them. Yeah, you could almost uh, stealth your way around people if they weren't <clears throat> paying attention. It was it's kind of unbelievable. I, I was I thought it was horrible at first like when you because I think I jumped in when you guys were already in this what they call first person bomber mode or FPV. And like you said, it's it's more like a overhead, slightly overhead kind of third person view, but you can kind of dip the angle a little bit like you can control the angle and see certain parts of the board. So like camera Pretty control much, became such an important part of the game, yeah. which was unbelievable. <laughs> The best way to sum it up is the control. The camera was pretty much like any action game, third person mm-hmm. action game, where you can have free movement of your camera. And, and I thought and that was like, one of the most yeah, things. Put that the, together, <laughs> folks. Put that together in a normal Bomberman, you know, scenario where you're running around. Usually, you can do a quick glance to see where everyone's at and get a view of the entire board. And and the thing is, the game does offer that original mode. You can set the options for one hit kills or one bomb blast kills, 
overhead map, a view of everything. And you get your regular bomber, man, you know, actually, if you wanted to do that. But apparently Pete did not want to try that old-fashioned mode. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted the new stuff. Oh, that was boring. If you want to play old-fashioned Bomberman, just go <laughs> play any other Bomberman. Regular Bomberman, which we did play a couple of, and I thought that was that was pretty damn fun. But yeah, I mean, after a while, it took me a while, and even though I was getting my, my butt kicked in FPB mode, it did become a little, uh, just tuning, you know, fine-tuning yourself to, like, a traditional formula of a game you played over and over again to have these new things thrown in there to wrink, you know, throw a wrinkle in things. It was, it was an interesting experience. And then bovines. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brunch. No, I was going to say, I just wonder if they actually tested that game with a true first person perspective, because it's kind of weird that they called it first person, but it is anything but first person with a camera to control the boot. I mean, I mean like, I don't understand also, how they got there. You would playing Faceball 2000 in Bomberman, which would have been ridiculous i don't even know how something like that would even work maybe it just something tells me no (laughs) no probably not that's probably why they changed it but i'd be curious to at least see how it might have worked in in actuality i mean you think about it though the blocks like you wouldn't even be able to see if bombs were on your left or right you'd have to have like a mini map like simultaneous to your first person dungeon crawler bomberman view which would just sound it sounds ridiculous Mm, in my head sounds so complicated yeah (laughs) Anyway, the game is a blast. We'll be uh, we'll be playing more oh. of it. <laughs> My copy's on the way. Just paid for it. We're we are going back, right? I didn't. I just didn't throw away twenty dollars for no reason. Correct? <laughs> or did he? <laughs> Another life of black tiger. Still better than the fifteen. Yeah, fifteen dollar black tiger. <laughs> but uh, no, we we are definitely going to play more. So if you're listening and you want to play with us, the game supports up to eight players online. So pick up a copy. It's super cheap. Just don't buy it digitally. And you can join us next time. <laughs> but, you know, for you very, very lazy people out there, it is amazingly <laughs> still on the digital store for 20 US dollars. <laughs> I, I mean, I wonder how long the servers for something like that would be up. It was so amazingly... It was so funny just listening to Chad talk about other games where servers have been shut down, like Demon Souls, but then like this Bomberman <laughs> X-Zero game servers were still up and running. <laughs> We were joking about how like Konami is monitoring their servers. All of a sudden, they're going to see this spike on Bomberman Zero. It's like that scene in yeah. Godzilla movies when like the base is like alerted and everyone's running around like crazy trying to figure out what to do about it. Seven hundred percent increase in activity. What the? But pat down the hatches. Get a patch out there immediately. Let's balance this game. I mean, I, and just one last thing. I mean, I think, and I know that Pete, you were saying that that's that was the part of the game, but I just really think maybe even an option to set maybe certain power ups not to be active simultaneously. Like just that's the fun of it, though. So, wait, so the power ups that Bovine was alluding to, they're um, the combo is kind of exclusive to this game, I guess, where you you can make line bombs but then you can also get infinite bombs so that that, combo i don't think that's been present in any bomberman game where you can lay down a full line across the board screen filling and then just keep doing it over and over and over you never raise pete both i mean literally you're talking about a bomb blast where every single space is getting a bomb blast in the entire grid (laughs) but you can you can counter it though because if you have less powerful bombs you can lay one in front of their blast, and then your bomb ones explode instead. Yeah, I didn't even. I mean, it was cool that there were little additional gameplay elements, like I like you guys were talking about some crouching mechanic to like avoid I blast. Couldn't even figure that out. Yeah, I mean, then like the anti bomb, like it looks like there's maybe some really like in depth gameplay tech in there. But my god, I was just dead in like a minute. I couldn't even figure out what happened. Like I just look up at the screen, and every single path I'm walking, I'm like, okay, it's filled with the uh, orange flame. I guess I can't do anything about it. <laughs> 
Let's spend some time on it. I mean, I, if it does have those additional layers of gameplay and technique, I mean, that would be something completely new to the Bomberman franchise. So it's kind of a shame that, I don't know, like I've never seen those things incorporated in some of the other versions. And maybe they are. Maybe I've, Maybe there's some weird version that... I haven't played like I know that in Bomberman R, which technically is the latest release, right, for the Switch, and then coming for the PS4. Like I didn't see any of those kind of advanced techniques in there, so they just kind of like peeled things back. It's almost like they thought we were putting so much technique now into it, and it's overwhelming players. So let's remove some of these. That that would be sad if that was the case. So. So what about Brunch and Futsvogel? I know you guys have been playing some stuff. Who wants to go next? I'll uh, continue on. So for the past, uh, one of the games that I played that I actually just remembered, uh, Pimp My Ride for the PlayStation 2, which actually I, I was entranced by it for the wrong reasons. Um, and I actually had the idea to just put a clock on it because no one had speed ran it before. And I figured this will be an easy, easy world record right here. And uh, it turns out that it's pretty much just a dumbed down GTA clone with uh, Pimp My Ride elements from the show thrown in there for good measure and uh it's pretty bad the problem is it's just like it's the same like three or four mechanics over and over again you literally travel to like 20 different cities just replaying the exact same thing you know go to this store area complete this objective drive around the town go to the next door do the exact same thing over and over again so that so i'd say if you were uh, looking for some unique gameplay and pimp my ride uh you should probably look elsewhere but exhibit is in it and you do actually pimp some rides. So, Brunch, uh, are you telling me Exhibit <laughs> would lend his name to a product not fully fitting <laughs> of the honor of Pimp My Ride? You don't, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear these such things here. You know what? Let's just chalk it up to it was in his contract for the show, and he didn't read it over fully, and they just stole <laughs> sound. Is he in there? I, I can't remember if he was like host, DJ, MC, like clipped audio everywhere. Like, was he part oh, of yeah. that product? He oh, he's that. in there. Is it, him or is it someone who sounds like Exhibit? No, I'm I'm pretty positive. It's I mean I'm not a huge <laughs> Exhibit fan. You you know that I'm not, but uh, <laughs> uh, I definitely would say that they they probably just stole it from the show. They probably just like snipped up that show to all of the ends of the earth to make sure they got something that sounded original for the game for uh, for fan service. But uh, but I had I had high hopes for it. I, honestly, I didn't think it was gonna be a bad game, and it turned out to be one. Which I probably should have just read MTV Games and realized there's no chance in hell this is gonna be playable. But uh, it was actually playable. Um, a lot of stream content out of it, if anything. I would. I, would I got say. one. I got one stream. I was actually hoping to do it. I really wanted to get a run in. But when I looked at the walkthrough and saw that it was literally like, there must have been like 12 cities. And I had done three cities in four or five hours. I said, there's no way my sanity can <laughs> were allow there, me to continue. Were there other speedruns for that? or I don't, think, I don't even think there was one on, on the leaderboard. So, I don't so think there you, is a leaderboard, actually. What you could have done, and I find it very interesting, too, how... You do something I like to do sometimes, where uh, you just throw a timer up, right? Like it's it's like, well, we're going to be playing this game. We can make a speed run out of it if we just throw up a timer. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But like, you know, you you just find how when you throw that timer up, it extends your desire to play more of the game, right? Because it's like you oh, yeah. let's just say you beat the game, and then you're like, well, let's just throw a timer up and see if I can do it faster than my first attempt. Yep. And then suddenly you just want to keep playing and playing to get a faster time, even if it's not optimized. It's just amazing what a timer can do for you. It's true. And just it, watching it, it, the numbers click up, I guess. 
it actually got sadder as time went on because I realized <laughs> once I realized how many stages there were in the game, I said, "There's no chance that I'm going to play this game for eight <laughs> hours, multiple times, multiple streams." I mean, it just it, so I, eventually I just accepted the fact that it wasn't happening and stopped because there was after you did the same thing over and over again, there was no enjoyment to be had. Yeah, well, so you got to give credit to MTV Games for stuffing, I guess, content into a disc like that, right? <laughs> Patty. Was the game kind of free flowing though, or were the cities broken up into like hard to find sections? Because you can just speed run one city. Because you can, if you're the first person to run it, you can just make your own rules in the leaderboard. You know, you're no, you absolutely, yeah, it was definitely there was a gate around the entire like enclosed city, and you only had a certain amount of you had a certain objectives in that city to complete. And once it was done, you were then teleported to a different like enclosed area in which to complete the next city. So you you yeah. could just do the and first city. Yeah, no, that's a great. I I would do that for sure because there is GTA. You know, you have to get in the car, determine your route. There's multiple routes. There's multiple objectives to do within the time. There's and there is also, you know, there is failure. You know, in those uh, those mini games. So it's totally. So that actually sounds more enticing to me. I'm you should totally excited. go for it, and <laughs> I'll check it out. And maybe it's something we can get like a community around. And just if it seems like know, a good story. I'm not buying a digital copy of Pimp My Ride anyway. <laughs> soon, okay? I don't think they re-released that on PS3, PS4. Okay, good. So just good. making sure. <laughs> And I'm just throwing this out there. There is an online marathon that I took place in called Big Bad Gameathon, where if you find a good bad game, the speedrun, it probably has a decent chance of getting into the next time they do that marathon. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> um, but no, the other game I wanted to talk about, which, and I'll be honest, when Bovine was talking about it earlier about the clickbait, I actually. I'm guilty of this, but I didn't actually put it on there for <laughs> clickbait. I put it on because I, when I play a game, like I've heard Superman is bad, right? For N64 Superman, I've heard it's bad. Okay, I, it's the general consensus that I mean, this game is unplayable. Worthy bad at this point, right? Because of the AVGN stuff and like what most people. And I know nothing about that. that. I've, I've I've been living under a rock, and I know nothing about any of the hype behind that. You know, and people keep coming and telling me these things. It's like, well, I want I kind of want to form my own opinion. That's cool that you know you've heard this and all. It's like I want to and and I've kind of have formed my own opinion. And there is a game underneath it all. It's not a good game, but there is like a playable game. The problem is there's just so many holes in that game that you need to work around in order to find it. Yeah, those and I'm holes only... are all the rings from all the multiple versions of that. Oh, hell no. At you. The rings are the best part of that game. But I'll tell you why they're the best part. You have to use the small Hori uh, controller from Japan. Because oh apparently the analog in that is amazing compared <laughs> to using the regular N64 controllers for those parts. And that, that is 100% the case. If you have, I mean, I don't have one of those Horries, but if you have mm -hmm. a tight stick on your N uh, N64 controller, you can do those rings. If you have a loose one, you get absolutely no precision to do them. Um, I mean, the funny I did thing is, and I think, Pete, you were mentioning this when you were streaming it at some time, what was it, last year, I believe, right? Or maybe even the year before? Yeah, it was like a year, year ago. or so ago. Like, if you were to just make a ring-flying game, take off Superman license, like, put some other, like, I don't know, pilot wings, maybe, license on there, like, the oh, flying yeah. through the rings part is actually not that bad of a game in itself, by itself. Like, if we were to just separate that out from the, the regular... With a good controller. ...warm-up stages. Hmm. But what no, was I that about the controller? Agree. I said with a good controller. Because yeah. I, I haven't I have not played that game with a standard first party N sixty four controller. Keep mm -hmm. that in mind. Bunch, you seem to be doing pretty good with the, the standard controller from what I saw. Yeah, you pretty much need to learn you need to learn how your controller is gonna work for that. And you pretty much just gotta tap it. It's not a, you can't keep your thumb on the stick unless you're super precise because that stick is really long. And uh, if you're if you're just oh, yeah. you know overexerting it, it's you're gonna miss every ring. You have to just tap it. Just give it a little tapping. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Um 
But honestly, the, 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 the non-flying stages were fine, except for the fact that I don't think anyone tested them ever. And so they, they set the parameters <laughs> for all of the, the, you know, how much damage is taken, how... Oh, so how, difficult. Yeah, exactly. It's like you need to figure out this. And that's kind of, I think it's also, it's kind of cool in the sense that it gives the player a new objective, not just complete the game, but also complete the game in this within this the parameters that were not actually tweaked. You know, there was no balance in any of the in any of the stages I've played so far. So you need to figure out how am I going to get past this game that actually wasn't properly tweaked and uh, you know and, and refined. And so in that way, it's an interesting game, but it's not it's not a game that you can go in and play without being a good player. I don't, or at least a thinking player. You have to really do a lot of thinking that you don't normally do because you have to kind of work around all of the pitfalls that that game had obviously found for yeah. itself i'll tell you what my workaround was and i'm pretty sure i know what level you probably got stuck on was it the one where you start in like a computer control room you mean the second level yes okay yeah because i i was getting stuck in that level as well so my workaround was to find a way to get myself out of bounds and then just skip through the whole level <laughs> which i did without watching the speedrun world record and apparently the route that i took was almost Pretty much one for one with what the world record does, and See I found it tuned, on my own. Tune you are now, speak with the speedrun communities. Like you, you're, you're <laughs> subconsciously using like strats, like you know, hack strats and glitch strats to get through. I, I, pr I pretty much said this game is way too hard to play normally. Let's just break it. <laughs> well, that game was made for you because you like to go out of bounds. In this game, you don't have to work too hard in some areas to get out of mm. bounds. Exactly. It's inviting you. It's actually so easy to accidentally go out of bounds that I need to stop going fast to prevent myself from going to a place I can't get out of again. It's uh, funny how you bring that up though, Brunch, because it's almost like you think you take a game that is broken or not well tested, and it becomes some weird level of difficulty that then becomes a strange, fun way to play. Because mm -hmm. it's a much more challenging game. Like you could see what they were trying to go for with the game design, but because of all these bad, bad or poor design decisions, it becomes frustratingly impossible for like the normal casual gamer who would have picked it up. But then you look at it on that next level where, okay, I understand the dumb things they've done and it makes it more challenging. So now I'm going to play it at that extra challenging level. Kind of changes the way like you play that game and, and the, the difficulty level that emerges from that becomes almost uh, like a different experience and more fun in some ways or fun oh, exactly. there in the first place. And I think it's, yeah. And I think it's that mindset that makes speed running so fun because you're taking a game that wasn't meant to be ran as quickly as you can. And then you're then changing the rule of the game to be that rule. And I think that's what's you know, just as you've set out. That's what I think is interesting about this. So it would be fun actually. And I, I don't think Titus is known for producing that, garbage of content are they i don't i can't think of a titus game i've played recently uh yeah there's another one on n64 called oh, uh, Hercules, the legendary adventure whatever the heck it's called also supposed to be quite horrible well that's that's gonna be on my list for next to play then because i i, I actually I, i'm interested in trying to figure out how to navigate through the badness um as annoying as it is but it is kind of a fun fun side side quest as opposed to the the normal gameplay that's set oh. out for you I guess all these bad games have potential second life as you know great speedrunning games. So <laughs> it's true. That's one game that I know Fitzvogel's going to speedrun is Battle Construction Vehicles. Oh yes, that <laughs> needs to happen. Oh, oh man. I okay, okay. That game. It never came out in the U.S. It only came out in Japan and Europe. And basically, you are the son of like this huge construction firm and you have your rival and you're trying to beat him to be better than than him basically um, the gameplay was mm, 
was so bad. Um, basically, what you're doing is battling with your construction vehicles, just as the title suggests. Who would have guessed? Oh, give it more so, credit than that, Futz. You have to. You just basically got to describe it as you know, 3D battle arena with construction vehicles as your avatars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just trying to push your enemy with a crane and hope he dies. Um, <laughs> hilarious thing though about that game that I when I was watching you stream it, it's like you have this weird Japanese overtones for the game like you know like you're saying the storyline of the son of the construction oh. vehicle and you think to yourself okay this is jap this is japanese weird but let's see how japanese weird it gets and then you get into your battle and you realize that it's not like they anthropomorphize the battle vehicles or you know made them anime style attacks they literally are just regular construction vehicles like if it's yeah. a bulldozer it's a regular bulldozer and its only attack is to move forward like they didn't exactly. they didn't add any additional weirdness on top of the ve- battle ve- construction vehicles they're exactly. literally just regular construction vehicles and even even for like the wieners and stuff like it was the same like out for like every battle we had to do but the story was so japanese over the top you just had to finish a battle to move along with the story uh, i mean there was no difficulty the game generally was super easy even though i played on hard mode by accident it was just so easy there was one Part which was insanely difficult just out of nowhere and I needed to attack it in like two streams to actually get past it and finish the game to actually finish the, the storyline was that, but, that steam you know, roller the I can't remember what the enemy yeah was, right? it's like yeah I think I was playing as the grandpa and I had to uh, I had to battle with the crane and uh, I mean everything I did like nothing worked out like the attack didn't really did the same damage as it used to it was just really ridiculous so this is the baddest game in in bad games the game looked phenomenal (laughs) it's it's a game it's so bad it's really good if you want to have like the best time laughing your butt off and making loot inappropriate jokes this is the game for you i mean if i was browsing around you know twitch retro streams and i just happened upon a game where it was two construction vehicles in a regular you know construction pit quarry just duking it out with like jab like phrases like flying out of the characters i mean that's something that would draw me in immediately what you were playing yeah. the japanese version or the or the pal version the european yeah the pal version oh and the special attacks like over the top as, as well like yeah the bees attack and some kind of love attack and just the weirdest stuff ever so this is a game you don't play for the game Gameplay. Let's please, just say that. Please tell so. me it's a long-running series with many, many games <laughs> in, in its <laughs> no, <illustrious> history. Sadly, it's not. Just the one-off. So sad. I mean, the PlayStation 2, I played on the PlayStation 2, like, it has so many hidden, I can't, I don't want to say hidden gems, because I have a tendency to play bad games and always find the good in them, like, they're so bad, they're really good, you know? But adding that to PC. the top of my list of PAL exclusive PS2 <laughs> games right now, I'm telling you. This one you need to import. However, there is one I need to mention. Uh, PAL exclusive as well, called Falling Stars. Oh, Falling God. Stars is a game for, you know, girls to get them into RPGs. It's actually sold as a literal RPG. 
I've never seen anything more disgusting than that game. It's bad, and it's not even good bad. It's just bad, bad. And I what paid is this about game? It was Falling Stars. Falling Stars, yes. You're a tiny little girl in this world, and everything is going fine. And then I don't know, some evil creature, some evil power takes over, which happens to be your uncle. Um, the animation's really bad. You have a tiny creature that is supposed to emulate Pokemon, uh, that is supposed to help you battle, uh, like, other creatures and enemies. It's just not, it just doesn't work. So, um, you have, like, these Pokemon battles, but they just don't work. I just couldn't get, figure out how to make this thing battle. And it just drove me insane. And it's, it kind of broke my heart. Like, if a tiny girl gets into RPGs playing this game, like, how disgusted can you just end up being with gaming in general? Like, this is where girls stop gaming, okay? So, PlayStation has good and bad, so... <clears throat> That I mean, was, was it aimed experience. as like a like a like a beginning style RPG for for girls or like for it was it was it was aimed to be and I don't really have a problem to have like simple mechanics and you know make it over the top cute to you know get girls into this but it was super slow story wise there was no story to begin with like to be engaging. Um, and the battling thing, I couldn't figure it out every time I died. And it's just, you pick it up and it just don't want to play it. Maybe one day I'm going to go back to the game. Will I speedrun it? No. But I need to get my eight bucks out of this game. So, yeah. Hey, eight yeah, bucks really for cool. a game, that should translate to at least four hours of good stream content, right? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, that's how you calculate your stream, you know. If I remember right, it was more of training wheels for an MMO more so than an RPG, right? Because I think it was littered with like fetch quests and like go gather. It did have fetch quests, yeah. I do remember the fetch quests, which were like just ridiculous, like bring me this can of food, and you're just like, why? Why don't you just get it yourself, dude? Uh, it just didn't really make sense. And when, you know, the evil Partek took over, like, those, you, you had, like, those RPG battles, random battles, when you went around, but, you know, my, my Pokemon thing, you just didn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. So, yeah, very, very deceiving. Did the uh, developer or publisher have their own MMO that they were trying to help people get into? You think that was the, the reason for that game? I think it was just, you know, quick to make a quick buck. It oh, just okay. felt very, very heartless. Like, it just didn't have anything. Pretty much a Wii game. Show where you game <laughs> on the PC. <laughs> Basically. Mm. So, what I wanted to mention is uh, one that really I, I had played once before on stream several years ago, and I did not have a good time with it. But I'm like, you know what, let's give this game another chance because I was really into playing a lot of Sonic games. And that was revisiting Sonic Shuffle. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever given this game a chance because it is Dreamcast exclusive. But it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's widely known as pretty much Mario Party on the Dreamcast with Sonic characters, but not good. <laughs> so I'm like, let's just give this another shot. 
because I was like, maybe I'll speed run it. You know, the speed runs like four to six hours. So I'm like, sure. Uh, <laughs> I kind of had, I, I fell in love with it. I found a new appreciation for this game because the main difference with it is instead of rolling dice, you, all the characters get uh, a hand of cards. And then depending on which card you use is how many spaces you'll, you'll move. So you always know how many spaces you'll move. Unlike Mario Party where it's like, all right, let's gamble and hope I don't land on you know, the, the coin down block or anything in, in Sonic Shuffle. It's like this mind game of calculating meticulously where you want to go on the board. And there's strategy to it because you could also pick your opponent's card. So if you know that your opponent has a card, that might be a card that you need. You can pick it from their hand and move that many spaces. Hmm. And I just remember some of the later stages were like so intense. It was some of the most intense moments I've ever had on my stream because the boards would last for sometimes upwards of two hours, you know, playing on this one board. And if you lose, that's it. You're back to the beginning. Because first of all, the load times take forever. The mini, everything in this game takes forever. But I just remember like trying to combo my cards together to like block tails off from getting the last Chaos Emerald and just setting up this this crazy play. I, I lost in the end, but oh my god, was it intense. And I kind of fell in love with it. Uh I don't know if any of you were caught any uh, Sonic Shuffle gameplay. No, uh, I, 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 I really enjoyed that stream. Yeah, it was really well. The thing about it is, I was, I was just about to say, you know, when you first say Mario Party, like to me, I really, I am not a big fan of the Mario Party games. I've never been a fan of the board game style. Like, the only time I've ever played that game is generally with four people just jumping through the mini games. Like the actual board game component of it, I never truly sat down to play it because one, it just seems so boring. But like this past holidays, when I had some family over. You know, there was two little cousins then one of them had the Switch and they had Mario Party, the new version for the Wii. So I said, Let me let me go in and play it with them and just see kind of what the game is. And everything you described, Pete, they all sound like fixes to the Mario Party formula that I found really like kind of badly designed. Like this whole thing about, you know, trying to they give you all these options to try to find a way to move certain amount of spaces. But it doesn't really matter in Mario Party because the strategy to try to get to a certain point on the board, it kind of gets thrown by the wayside because most everything on there is accessed by just moving through that spot. So it always it was very strange to me that they even have those mechanics because you don't really ever employ them in the way that you would think to, like the way you just described it in Sonic Shuffle, where you actually are strategically trying to, you know, get to certain spots and you need to land on a certain spot versus going. So it actually sounds like to me it's like a huge improvement over the, you know, kind of like the 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 stayed version in in Mario Party. So I mean, I, and I may be a little off there because I don't play a lot of Mario Party, and I don't know if that's like a big weakness and shit. But I felt like it felt like to me as I was playing the board game part of it, like I'm like this 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 is like really bad. They need to like fix some of these things. So it sounds like I would. I mean, I would give Sonic Shuffle a try just to see those kind of techniques actually employed properly, like to be able to. You know, worry about where you're at on the board and you know how far you want to move well i think that's the the best part about sonic shuffle is the board mechanic like moving through the board the stri uh, the strategy involved in in the board and trying to collect cast emeralds the mini games are it's probably its weakest point a lot of them are just sort of not that interesting or not that fun uh, or the ai is just completely broken when you're playing single player <laughs> sounds like you're describing mario party to me <laughs> i mean it is on another level in sonic shuffle though i'm telling you even on easiest setting they uh, there's some mini games that are almost impossible to win, but yeah, if you think if you enjoy board game style like mini games like that, but you are looking for one that places an emphasis on the board rather than the mini games, then this is one they should check out. But you are gonna have to be prepared for some insanely long load times because every little action is like they show you something loading, 
show you something <laughs> loading for 10 seconds something loading like you pretty much need you either need to be streaming this to have some people to chat with to keep you busy during the load screens or play it with friends so you can like just you know bullshit and talk while it's loading all the time but if you're going to buy this game and try and play it by yourself um single player you're probably not going to have a good time at all or just multitask do something else while you're playing it <laughs> watch a stream while you play sonic show that's uh that's good praise for a video game just do something else while you play this game. <laughs> have fun. that's fun yeah uh, so that is quite the load of uh junk you guys have been going through for myself i've been i i, I feel like one of the things i do unintentionally not even realizing is that you know uh, like I said before, I make it a big point in my stream to try to find games, you know, that are supposed to be bad and find, trying to find a good in them. And a lot of the times it ends up becoming, you know, let's dive into licensed stuff and see which of these games where the developers actually took the time to try to create a game versus just, oh, let's just slap the license of whatever we're given onto an existing garbage game and, you know, call it a day. And man, there is a lot of both of those out there. Like, for example, this past year, I mean, just to throw out a couple and, and hit a couple really quick. You know, when I pop in a licensed game, I mean, that's kind of like what you first anticipate. You're like, this is not going to be great because they're writing on the license of the game. So if you look at a movie like uh, Home on the Range for the Game Boy Advance, this is one of the games I took uh, a chance on just to see, you know, where they went with it. And to me, Home on the Range, it was this animated Disney movie that I don't even remember seeing. So not only one, I was playing a licensed game, but a licensed game of a game of a movie, that property that didn't even do that well. So that was a lot of... Uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a really good start. But in all honesty, you know, when you look at a lot of these licensed games, like Home on the Range ended up becoming, you know, like a side scrolling platforming game, which is a very easy formula to take for this kind of licensed garbage. But at least I could see they tried to do something. Like every level you get access to a different character from the movie. Like it starts out with the sequence where you're the main character, the horse, and, and you're you're actually right in it throws you right into a beat em up. Final fight style beat em up. You're this horse, <laughs> you know, walking around, punching people, donkey kicking people, whipping your, your straps out at people. I was immediately blown away because it was just something completely unexpected. And then it, and you realize you, you've beat up a couple guys and you realize it was a dream sequence. It was the horse thinking about being like a hero. So then it jumps into the, the standard platforming game where you, you start out as, oh, I was the first character. But you... Mm, some level, kind of goat. What, yeah, that was like the second mm. level, I think. Right? I can't remember. Like the first level I thought was something else, but you might be right. But you get a different character for each level. And then not only that, like if just to describe like this goat platforming levels, right? You're the goat that has these moves. You can dash forward. You can jump up and do a ground pound. You can double jump when you pick up the correct power ups. Like I was, I was really having some fun with it because it was just shocking to me that, you know, this licensed piece of garbage crap game ended up giving me multiple different gameplay elements, multiple characters to play with different moves for each character. I mean, those are things I'm describing that sound like that would go into like a high end platforming indie game right now. And I was very, you know, surprised, pleasantly surprised by a game like home on the range. The only issue was, is that, you know, once you get past that initial, you know, feelings of amazement that they've, they've added so much in this game, you realize now they're just recycling kind of like the same mm. things over and over again. So, but, but in all, in all honesty, like, you know, you look at a game like home on the range and you have kind of built in expectations because of all the past licensed crap that you may have, you know, had to deal with. And then you get pleasantly, you know, surprised with something that, you know, resembles more of a game with, uh, you know, some variety in there. So like home on the range on GBA, it's not something I would absolutely recommend, but just to pop it in and play like the first couple of levels to get a little bit of variety. And I don't know, maybe you're a fan of the movie. Maybe you grew up with it or something. I don't know. You know, some kids have some weird attachment or 
a fixation with certain franchises so maybe you're a big huge home on the range fan and at the very least it seems like the game and i've never seen the movie but the game seems to at least give you the opportunity to live out your lives as these animals but you know moving on like to some other licensed movie stuff like i took a chance at Stuart little for the game boy color which was an interesting like puzzle platforming game you know flintstones the movie for the game boy which you would never i mean it's not even like an original flintstones game it's something taking the license from that horrible you know real the real uh, the real life movie version with uh was it john goodman rick moranis as yep. um <laughs> as awesome uh, movie. Marty, right so i pop in the game boy game and immediately you know they're giving me a platformer side-scrolling platformer again i think it's kind of like the easiest um you know formula for them to use for these kind of licensed games but as i go through in this platformer, I'm picking up these coins. I don't know what they're for. They could be bonus points. They could be just, you know, extra lives. I don't know. But there's these little arcade, like, machines scattered throughout these platforming levels. You know, exactly what you would want to expect to find in a Flintstones game. But you walk up to these arcade machines, you pop in your coins, and suddenly you're playing arcade mini games. You're playing, like, primitive versions of Pac-Man and Snake and, uh, like, Whack-A-Mole. Like, it was really kind of cool the way that... It was just kind of like this was the special kick of the game. It was something I would not have expected. Completely, you know, out of left field. And like we thought, we you know, as we ran into each arcade machine, we're like, there can't be more mini games, right? Because we ran into <laughs> one, then a second one, and a third one. You had Frogger, you had Space Invaders. It was unbelievable. Like this little idea of like mini games within a, a, a game on the Game Boy that was throwing it in there. But the platforming levels were competent. It got it got it got to a point where there was like this crazy multi-segmented and multi-stage. Um, maze section and I was like okay I'm done with this but it was really quite shocking again how much was put into this licensed game like there was developers there was a developer board somewhere that said hey you know what we were just given the Flintstones the movie license now we got to build a game you know most of those teams would probably just call it a day and you know slap a you know regular game up and then license it up but you know these guys took the time to try to make a fun game and i i I applaud them for it and there was a number of these games i ran into but those were kind of like the two that stuck out in my mind because i got four or five hours of you know stream time out of both of those games which is you know to me just right for the price i paid (laughs) i gotta gotta... speed run it (laughs) <laughs> I am surprised, Bovine, you didn't mention Indiana Jones. Because oh, those five <laughs> games, like, you you just said, like, all the good things. You just said that, you know, you might think they're bad, but they're good. But you didn't mention Indiana Jones. So. Well, I mean, the, the, okay, then I'm thinking about Indiana Jones, because I, I popped in a bunch of games here, like Buzz Lightyear, Star Command for Game Boy Color, which ends up becoming an Arkari Warriors overhead top-down shooter, which just speaks to my soul. But... When you take a game like Indiana Jones for the Super Nintendo, okay, the reason why it doesn't show up here, because when you first pop in the game you play it, you're like, wow, this looks like a castle, Super Castlevania 4 style platforming, and you've got Indy's whip, you've got you know his, his jumping abilities, his rolling abilities, the levels are beautifully designed, the artwork is great, it's following scenes from the movies, so... But I think the problem there is that that game is insanely difficult. Like, there are some stages, there's some auto-scrolling stages in there that I just, I couldn't fathom how they were designed this poorly to the point where you have to be so precise. Like, I had to pull up every ounce of my gaming and platforming skills over, like, 30 years of my life to try to get past this one stage. And I, I, I kept telling myself, there must this game has to be broken. There's no way this is what they want mm. from me right now because it didn't make any sense. I'm like, the level of skill they're asking of me right now is beyond anything I ever played on the Super Nintendo in all my entire life. <laughs> so I couldn't believe... 
it was the way it was. So, I, so it didn't go on my bad games list because I actually liked everything kind of like up until these points in the game. But man, if you guys want to test your metal, I'm telling you, go play Indiana Jones, play it till the fourth area. You will know what I'm talking about. And then you're going to you're gonna go through that same feeling where you're like, this, this can't be the way it is, right? Like, have you guys ever run into that in a, when you're playing a game, bad, broken, good, or otherwise, where you're thinking, this cannot be what they expect. This is entirely outside the realm of normal, like, human <laughs> capability. Just... No, I think that's just you, Bovon. <laughs> <laughs> Killing me here, man. Unheard of. <laughs> So what are you guys talking about? I beat everything that comes my way with no issues. <laughs> but seriously, that's why I left India because I still want to go through and play through that game. Like I, like I, I let the mode run in a track mode. You know, it just runs the demo. Apparently, there's some mode seven like snowboarding like in a in a in a raft game. And I'm like, I need to get to those parts. So. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I don't know. It, it really makes me want to go see speed. Once I finish the game, I want to go see speedruns and see like how people deal with those those parts of the game, which to me initially just seemed like ridiculously impossible. Uh, and that's like normal playthrough. It wasn't like I was speedrunning it to try to get a quick time. So oh, probably zip somewhere in there to avoid all that. Yeah, nonsense. maybe if there is, I'm, I'm going to employ that technique because my God, because the problem is, is that the stages they're multi segmented so they're like they give you this little platforming area then they give you this auto you know scrolling chase sequence then you gotta go through some caves and if you die you know you don't start at that new segment you go all the way back to the beginning and you have to do all that stuff again again to get to where you I are. hate that I oh hate bad God. checkpoints yeah, mm. just bad checkpoint system design right so I can definitely see where the designers for that game and I think it was was it JVC I can't remember who did it yeah JVC they right? did the super yeah, star wars too and very those looks, are hard too I can't yeah. imagine harder than that and, and a lot of those games, like I was saying during the stream of India, I said, hey, this feels like the Star Wars you know, trilogy games, but at least there you had like a life bar that was easy to refill. You can take hits a little bit better, you know, but in indie, oh my God, they just, they ratcheted up the, the difficulty on all of those areas. But it did feel exactly like those Star Wars. It even looks like it, like the power-ups look the same. They were like getting assets from that game and throwing it in. Oh there. yeah, it's the same game <laughs> engine for sure, like verbatim. Just uh, 10 times more difficult, I guess. <laughs> I yeah. recommend all you guys try it. I want to see some frustration out there. <laughs> One day. Spot the height. <laughs> so any other bad games you guys can think of off the top of your head from the last year that I saw one you, I or? saw one uh at an event recently. I can't remember the name of it though. It had something to do with I hear uh, it's pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially nowadays. It had, it had that cameo, right? From those uh those Himalayan big-footed monsters, I believe. Yeah, anybody know that what that game was called? <laughs> I think it starts with you. <laughs> how how? Wh- give us your your experience and and your and and your the experience you had with speedrunning Urban Yeti at AGDQP. We want to hear all about it from your side. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah. So I did a speedrun for Urban Yeti at Awesome Games Done Quick for the Awful Block, and um. It was quite. It was pretty awesome, I have to say, because my game became a meme of AGDQ based on the pre-show. Uh, the pre-show, they sort of introduced this little fun game where the hosts were uh, picking names. You know, it was all scripted, but what they were doing was they were picking names for one another, like what game on our schedule would most resemble that host. So they all went around, you know, picking different things, and then it comes to Spike Vegeta. And... Uh, <laughs> he said, oh, I think I'd be the Phantom Menace. Right, cool name. And then everybody, including the audience, like 
just tons of people started holding up signs for Urban Yeti, and it just became this sort of meme that persisted through the whole event after the event where everybody is referring to him as Urban Yeti. And while it had nothing to do with me, the fact that my game <laughs> became like this meme and they hyped it up because of that was amazing to me. Well, there was some confusion, right? Because everyone was very, they didn't know where that was coming from. And they thought, is this for your, is it, was this for Urban Yeti? Or was it something that they had set up ahead of time? Were they promoting it? It was crazy because it just drummed up even more curiosity about the game and the run. And, you know, it got a lot of people looking forward to it by the time it came down to the run. I mean, nothing was planned to, those segments weren't planned to hype up the runs by any means, but it just so happened that the, the name Urban Yeti is just so weird and it fit Spike Vegeta's sort of like persona so well and he ran with it so well. Like when people were just, it wasn't just like a one and done thing. I mean, they were, the art they were doing for uh, like Awful Games Block was Spike Vegeta as Urban Yeti and like just <laughs> constant, like he was commentating Donkey Kong, or no, he was doing a run of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze and they changed his name to Spike urban yeti vegeta like on the, on the stream so it's like it's not something that they let go and i just thought that was kind of cool so funny. i mean can mm. you take take a step back though to when you decided to speed or well play the game and then later you know turn to speed one because this was a couple months prior obviously to agdq because you didn't i don't know if you were consciously planning it for submission but i mean I, to me it just sounded like you picked out a you know strange obscure game like you always do played through it and i mean you, you have to describe this game for the people out there who have not seen the speed run the streams are aware of this game because the game is just utterly amazing in so many weird ways that it just it, i mean in the end i guess it's just a collection of mini games right it's not it's not like mind-bending in terms of game design but yeah so i just picked this game out uh to play casually i had no intentions of speed running it even though i felt like looking at it i was like okay this might make a decent speed run but by the time i was done with it obviously uh i made the right choice because it kind of it kind of fits the speed run, run uh speed run mentality but also fits the casual playthrough just fine too because it is short uh it is four mini games one that resembles tapper one that resembles tubin one that resembles sort of like a windjammers kind of game <laughs> and uh one that's just some weird throw chickens in a blender to make chicken <laughs> the throw chickens in a blender one i'm pretty sure they went original content there because yeah, yeah. i've never quite seen a game like that yeah it didn't ring any bells for me but uh those four mini games encompass uh well they're bridged together by overworld sections that remind people of grand theft auto handheld games where it's just like this top-down view that uses a sort of weird 3d engine that works and doesn't work at the same time and uh yeah the the main story of the game was uh you know you're a yeti living in the suburbs and you're you're looking for the same thing humans do and humans want love they want a mate <laughs> so he seeks out this female yeti that's like stringing him along the whole game like hey urban yeti you're looking good why don't you just stop <laughs> by my place and then he gets there and she's like you're dirty go wash up and round up my chickens for me and you know he's doing all these things to impress her and in the end spoilers they hook up and you know so it's a yeti urban it's a urban arizona it's a yeti honey do list game basically is what it comes it, it's to. pretty much the greatest love story in a game that you never knew existed <laughs> my god your presentation of the game just I, and I, I have to tell you Pete. i mean again first congratulations on the game the run the world record all of those things that go along with it but your your presentation block in your segment your style your when you when you had your segment and you the fact that you were to go through play through the game and the game it's not like something where you can just casually sit back and play you have to focus and concentrate on some of those mini games 
but your constant presentation and, and updating of the storyline and everything, just such a perfect package of entertainment. If you guys have not seen the run, look it up on YouTube. Just look, search, you know, Urban Yeti 2018 AGDQ run. You'll find it. You you'll be subjected to one of the most entertaining runs of, of any kind I've ever seen at any AGDQ. So congratulations on that again. It was it was so entertaining. It was I, I couldn't believe how good it was. Yeah, thank you. And I got to give special shout out to the audience who really made that run as amazing as it was <laughs> because they were constantly screaming every time the Yeti popped up the on screen. Loading screen. Uh, which, which also, my, my couch commentators, Author Blues and Brosentia and NPC, who I told them, I'm like, I'll, I'll handle most of the commentary. <laughs> Just have some little interjections here and there. And I think they did a, a great job helping out the run. You must. It seems like you really enjoy that part of it, Pete. I mean, one, it's kind of like a condensed version of you know, at a G- AGDQ when you're playing like a bad game, like <clears throat> like Urban Yeti or even Club Drive for the Jaguar. You just you're. It's almost like I'm watching a short and condensed version of what you try to expand upon when you you know trying to share a bad game on your stream on Twitch. Right? It's like you just love that part about trying to get the information out there, expand upon the game, let people know. Like, here are the positive points of what you generally all will perceive as a bad game. It really seems like you enjoy that part of it. And just, you know, hopefully you'll get, like, a, an hour-long game the next time you do a run so you can just sit there and just wax eloquently about it as you play through it. <laughs> it, it is quite difficult to get an hour-long speedrun in the GDQ. Unless, like... Because the games I speedrun tend to be less popular ones. So to get an hour speedrun into a GDQ, it has to be a pretty damn popular game. Uh <laughs> I don't know, but we'll see in the future. I mean, I mean, Urban Yeti, the run was 30 minutes, which is, uh, I don't know. I don't know how long the average bad game block. It's a decent time. But... Yeah, it's a... Actually, they gave a lot of time to the awful games block this year. It was like eight hours of bad games, which is amazing. <laughs> it's a lot of time for awful games block. Uh, but game. Brunch brought something mm-hmm. to my attention that apparently the price on Urban Yeti is like the asking prices are now super high after gdq yeah i mean the problem was there wasn't that many copies of the game to begin with like it's just a low print run game so whatever is going to show up now is just gonna it looks like it's just gonna spike you know like i was hoping to pick it up around 50 loose cart and price is already asking 75 80 for it so (laughs) there's yeah if you're lucky there's the effect Forget about the completes and the, and the oh, sealed, forget too. Forget about that, yeah. Like, someone was selling mm. the box and manual only for, like, 70 or something like that. Well, when you think about that, that's not too bad. You might be better off buying the box and manual only and then buying a cart because that'll be worth... It actually comes with a poster as well, keep that in mind, so oh, it's not 100% complete without the poster. Because <laughs> you got to have an Urban Yeti poster, right? <laughs> of course. The most rare piece of Urban Yeti merch ever. <laughs> I totally need to get mine framed and put it up (laughs) but in all honesty though like the gta style portions of that game it ran pretty smoothly for what it was doing i thought i i was just technically impressed but that portions of the game like i was hey this game is you know i mean it was running at a pretty decent clip at a good speed wasn't lagging too much and uh, as an overall game it just it it was an interesting enough game that i do want to hunt it down at some point but Maybe I'll have to wait a little bit longer for The one thing I wanted to ask uh, ask you about, Pete, is that, you know, we talk about games and how, you know, when they get some sort of spotlight put on them, how they can really affect the market. How do you feel as someone who has actually had a direct effect on bringing a game to the forefront and then actually having the game spike in price? How, like, how does that, as, a, as a, a lover of the game and of retro collection, how does that make you feel? Well, I think with a game like Urban Yeti, it, it already kind of 
focuses in on a very specialized kind of collector or gamer. So I think people that wanted to play it probably knew about it already and tried to buy it already. I mean, the game was expensive as it is. It's not like when I did the speed run, the game was five bucks and now it's $80. Like it was already $50 for a loose GBA game, which is pretty high for that system at that time when you first played it. So the fact that it's had a marginal increase, it's like, well, people that were already crazy enough to spend 30 to $50 on a cart only, they're probably going to be crazy enough to spend even more on cart only. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really affect, and I don't feel bad about it because it wasn't my fault, really. It was just the sellers, you know, they're the ones oh, that course. are increasing the price. Uh, and I think a lot of people that want to play it will just emulate anyway, right? There's a lot of people out there that just are not going to drop the money for super expensive games like that. So people will just emulate it or find, put it on a flash card or, you know. So if they want to play it, they'll find a way to play it. And I think people that want to play it physically, I think they're going to buy it anyway because, you know, those collectors are still out there. They don't, they don't care about the price in most, most uh, situations. Interesting. Thanks, man. <laughs> Good luck. Brunch is just mad. Yeah. Just I know. Copy. I'm looking at that $60 copy. I'm like, God, how bad do I want to play this game? How long can I wait? Gotta find, gotta find the new jank to play. Yeah, we gotta just find our, our we gotta find our own inner urban yetis. I guess is what it comes down yeah. to. Well, I already, I already uh, made a save search for uh, what was that game you were just talking about, Bovine? Which uh, one? Home on the range. Oh, home on the range. <laughs> I just put in an offer. Put it. Put it in the save searches. Just find a find a lot, a twenty GBA jank lot uh, for like ten bucks. You know, those are the best kinds. Right? I'm, I'm trying to get better games. I'm I'm tired of the jank. I want the the bad games that are actually good. <laughs> I'm t- I, all of those games I mentioned, right? I got them in multi game lots. So that that's that's where you find the true gold, I think, when you're gaming. But you don't you don't talk about the seventy five other games that you don't like. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. If anything, I'll stream them. If anything, right? Like I said, if if each game gives me an hour's worth of stream time that's that's already the value right there like i have to mention like the, there was this et license game for the game boy advance and oh my god like i understand you know everyone knows about the et game for the atari and how terrible it is and maybe there's some merit to it but if you want the true hatred directed at the proper et game make sure you play this et game for the game boy advance to see how terrible and how bad game design can be done like simultaneously like that's improper use of a license horrible game design ridiculous like no objectives no goals ah this is such it's the epitome of such a bad game you know because it's one thing to be a bad game but it's another thing to be a very boring and uninteresting game like i always feel it's better if you're just so bad that at least you have fun you know playing a bad game but if you have a game that's just so vanilla designed that there's nothing that sparks interest either way there's nothing that you really end up hating about it and there's nothing you really end up liking about the game or picking things out like that's the worst kind of game and i feel that that was like such a example of that boring no effort design in a game et for the game boy advance just so yeah avoid that one off your list please brunch <laughs> i will do my very best but i like you said those lots sometimes you can't avoid some things and you no, gotta try yeah, them out and you get a chance to try them that way too so exactly well i think it's safe to say we still have a lot of bad games to talk about in the future but we are going to wrap this episode up for now uh but maybe next episode we'll 
continue with any other games that maybe come to mind because there's still I know I still got a bunch more I can talk about I'm sure you guys have several you might be able to muster or maybe discover in uh, the four months that you're going to have before <laughs> <laughs> please not please not that long yeah let's work on this team what, that's our only resolution right like I don't normally make New Year's resolutions but let's try to make one let's try to get we'll try to get consistent podcast episodes out to you fine folks to, to hear and to listen and to enjoy but we'll uh we'll wrap it up there thanks to everybody for listening and um play some bad games you know find find your inner urban yeti that you know you can <laughs> raise the price of on on ebay by letting and then let us know so we can go ahead and you know stream get it and look at them from our yeah. own eyes and figure out how bad it is how bad it really is or how good it may be so I got a plan ahead. Next time I, I find out I get a, a bad game or any game into GDQ, I'm just going to buy every copy on eBay <laughs> and then just list <laughs> them one we, at a time. We got to share that info with the team. We got to work as a team on this, people. We'll all pool in and get all the games so RG as a team can just hold on to all the copies of the game and we can all profit a little bit from it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just board sponsors. them all, sell them all, play from, pay for my plane ticket. <laughs> exactly. So you got you to gotta plan it well that way. <laughs> But again, yeah, thanks everyone again for um, you know taking the time to listen to the episode. We all, we all, all of us as a team, we really appreciate all of your support, all you people that hang out in our streams and comment. And again, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the podcast, please feel free to email them directly to retrogameexplorers at gmail.com. You can send uh, anything you want, suggestions, like I said, comments, uh, any bad games you may have played recently, so we can go ahead and take a look at them and talk about them in a future stream. And as always, you can find us on our streams uh on twitch for and you can get it at what is it twitch.tv slash teams slash retro game explorers is that right guys somebody correct me uh you're almost there it's just no s after uh the team so twitch.tv slash team slash retro game explorers and there you can find our team page and you'll be able to see when any of us are live or in stream to be able to join us and have some fun exploring some retro games bad ones Bad ones. That are actually no, good. No ones good every ones. now and then. Mainly bad ones. <laughs> but again, thanks a lot, everyone. And thanks a lot, everyone, for hanging out for the episode. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.